I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In the UK, they're classified as Class A drugs. The most dangerous, according to the government and crucially, illegal. But why are so many scientists raving about magic mushrooms? New research suggests hallucinogenic mushrooms may be beneficial for some patients. Two studies found that about 80% of patients who were given a single dose of psilocybin, this is a substance found in those so-called magic mushrooms, had significant reductions in depression and anxiety and had minimal side effects. I genuinely believe this is the most important advance in psychiatry treatments, probably for 50 years. So what's the science behind these claims? Do therapeutic mushroom retreats really work? And what does it feel like to experience one? If you take the munchkins from The Wizard of Oz, make them more sort of fairy and elfy, and then you imagine you're in a rugby scrum, You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, can magic mushrooms help mental health? In the last few years, some of the most prestigious scientific institutions in the world have become fascinated by magic mushrooms. Johns Hopkins in America and Imperial College London have both set up whole centres devoted to psychedelic research, whilst last month, a study at King's College London proved that psilocybin, the active drug in mushrooms, could be safely given to patients for the treatment of depression and PTSD. And in the last fortnight, as The Times reported, Washington has become the latest US state to push for legalization. What is going on? We asked one of the scientists leading the charge. My name is David Nutt. I am a psychiatrist and a brain scientist. And I suppose my claim to fame is that I have probably given more different kinds of drugs to human beings than anyone alive, maybe ever. And that's because I'm a psychopharmacologist. So I I use drugs to explore how the brain works and how it goes wrong in disorders like depression and addiction. And tell me a bit about the studies you're, you're doing at the moment at Imperial. We did a study in people who had 
failed to respond to conventional antidepressant treatments, the usual drugs like SSRIs. And we found that a single trip, a single 25 milligram dose of psilocybin, had a massive effect. It was the most powerful treatment ever in resistant depression, the most powerful single dose treatment. And that was really very exciting because now we have a different way of helping people who failed to respond to traditional treatments. I mean, your studies seem to have sort of brought up some amazing results. Johns Hopkins in America is also sort of looking into the same thing. It's being talked about as being sort of at the forefront of potential medical advancement in the next couple of years. Tell us a little bit about the potential we think it might have. I mean, what are the different conditions it might be able to cure or help? Yes, I, I genuinely believe this is the most important advance in psychiatry treatments, probably for 50 years. In fact, there's been very little innovation in psychiatry treatments in the last 50 years. All the drugs we use today, with one or two exceptions, are just derivatives of medicines which were discovered by accident, by serendipity in the 1950s. We've refined them to make them safer, but we've not improved on efficacy. And and psychedelics, as I've explained already, the the effects are more powerful and more enduring from a single dose. So, So I think they are a revolution. There are many trials now in depression. There are been trials also, interestingly, in addictions. There's a trial in smoking cessation, a trial in helping people quit drinking. And these also showed powerful effect sizes and big clinical differences. Wow. And I think they're going to have a, I think it will be that addiction may be, may be as important a target for these drugs as depression. We think, in fact, we are doing a trial presently in, in anorexia nervosa, and we're setting up a trial in OCD later this year. And we think what the depression, addictions, anorexia share is this phenomenon of being called internalizing disorders. They're all disorders in which people get locked into thought processes which are very self-reflective. So depressed people think they're worthless. Addicted people just crave the the bottle or the, or the syringe because they cannot escape from this, this desire, this craving for the drug. People with OCD get very concerned about cleanliness. People with anorexia get locked into obsessions about their weight and what they're eating. And we think these internalizing disorders are driven out of the same network in the brain and psychedelics disrupt that network. And I think that's why they can work in these multitude of different disorders. We'll come back to David later to understand what exactly is happening inside the brain that allows magic mushrooms, psilocybin, to disrupt negative behaviours. But for now, treatment plans are limited. Magic mushrooms are still illegal in Britain, but retreats in countries like the Netherlands promise to help with depression, trauma, and as one couple wrote in a piece for The Times, they can even resurrect your marriage. I'm Suzanne Duckett, and I am a journalist and broadcaster and author. I'm Andy Friedlander. I am a producer of major sports events. We are in a regular living room in a regular house (laughs) surrounded by nature at a location where it's legal to do this type of work in the Netherlands. I'm on one side of the room with Sarah Tilly, our sitter, our guide through this journey. And I have Andy on another sofa reclining 
opposite me before we'd settled there. We had uh, taken a shot of rather murky puddle-looking puddle water liquid. It was a psilocybin tea, a broth, which uh, is extracted from the truffles of the mushroom in a very specific way, as you can imagine. And we knocked that back like you would do a tequila shot. Probably tasted as bad and was as terrifying, really, of the the possible outcome. Andy, what was it like for you? What did you make of the brew? For those who've ever had any Ignatia or any tincture mixed in water, it's just that sort of slightly earthy, tangy. It's not at all unpleasant. It's just not in your usual food taste scope. Maybe not for you. I found it unpleasant. But I think also any medicine that works tastes a bit vile. Don't forget, we are taking nature from way under the ground. We hadn't eaten breakfast on advice from Sarah. I don't think we'd had any kind of alcoholic drink or a heavy meal the night before. We certainly hadn't had any caffeine. So at the point that we took it and drunk it, we're in quite a kind of clean mindset and kind of clean of body. So the nuances when they creep up can be felt and recognised. Once we've taken the medicine and we're reclining and warm and comfortable and Sarah's there, it's headphones on with music and it's an eye mask on. So this is an internal journey, an internal experience. And what happened? When did you know it was starting to work? For me, it was about 27 minutes, almost to the minute in. And it's those few minutes from taking the medicine to it starting to kick in is for me the most strange time because you're just you just don't know when it's going to happen what's going to happen and how intense it's going to be and Andy at what point did you realize for you that it was kicking in probably similar time I mean when you say kicking in if we compare this to someone having their first beer or glass of wine you do feel that kind of softness it's a similar journey in it's not oh my God, white knuckle, hold on tight. It was just a nice, gentle, easing after, yeah, 25 minutes or so. This is not a I can handle it type experience. It's not the bloke who can drink 10 pints and oh, he can handle his booze. You are bowing to it. Once it is inside you, you have to let go and allow it to do its work. And that is the dissolving of the ego when instead of muscling through, you allow the plant and the compound and the experience to show you what you can't otherwise see. It's never appealed to me to do lots of recreational drugs. It's not something I would be that interested in doing. This is entirely different. You've done a lot of work before you actually take this medicine and you do work afterwards. And I found someone that was incredibly qualified in all different types of modality of medicine. Sarah, she is you know, a mature lady. She has worked with a lot of people. So her counselling, her why are you doing this? What do you want to get out of this? What do you want the mushrooms to tell you is all part of the journey. And, and without that, actually, the scientific studies also do show that there is less outcome and there is less long term effect. So it's the polar opposite of going to a party, having fun and experimenting. If I can just add, this is not about getting out of your head. This is about exploring your consciousness. We need to be very clear. The 1960s psychedelic takes something and run through a field and hope for the best. This is a very, very long way away from that. So Suzanne, you know, you say you've never really been interested in recreational drugs. What brought you to this place where you're sitting in a room drinking a shot of murky puddle? Do you know what really got me was that people that have been diagnosed with a incurable disease with very little time 
and their time being taken from them too soon, whether it's cancer or other diseases, they were very depressed. They could not accept their fate and they went into very deep, dark depressions. No wonder. And those people doing this journey in one session can come out of that journey feeling they can accept their fate. They can make every single moment worthwhile before they depart. If this medicine can do that to those people, I thought, wow, imagine taking that potency for that potent reason and bringing it a little bit more into the mainframe of more people's everyday lives. How incredible. So that's what got me. And I mean, one of the aspects of this particular form of therapy that I was really intrigued by is that this this was a couple session, effectively, kind yeah. of like couples therapy, but with mushrooms. Um, <laughs> much more that, fun, much more fun, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> was, was that something that you both felt you needed? The couples thing was not that there was a great fracture in our relationship. There was no major incident of infidelity or dishonesty or any of that. It was over the course of being married and in a relationship for a long time, we're both people who are open to, okay, how can we improve this? How can we check in, understand each other? My God, we've all changed, not just in the last two years, but over, you know, certainly 10, 20 years, we transform immeasurably. So just because you lie next to someone in a bed or have breakfast Mm. with them or go on holiday with them, it doesn't mean you really get to understand them at every level. So this is a chance to get to a a different level. The, The big picture is you're sharing the experience. I was supposed to go on my own in the first place. I said to you, will you come with me? Because I was nervous. Yes. You know, I was nervous. <laughs> and Andy was like, come with you. Well, I want to do the stuff. Um, yeah. Where's, so, Euro- you know, where's the Eurostar website? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How does the therapist fit into this? How does it work? When you're dealing with the type of practitioner like Sarah Tilly, who sits with people on psychedelic journeys, you already know that you're not going to have that particular boring actually version of couple counseling she's going to be much more open much more um intriguing we've done couple therapy in the past they've just asked me a bunch of questions that were really boring and they've just charged me a lot of money and they're out 59 minutes on the clock it's left me very flat so i i really enjoyed her style and there's very specific timing after you've come out of your trip there's a, a 24 and then a 48 hour window and if you think that our brain and our mind is a sort of a highway of thoughts and emotions, when you have opened up that highway with this incredible medicine in the right circumstances, safely with the right person, the opportunity to then go in with those minds, thoughts, emotions, well guided with your talk therapy part, it's such an important synergy because then you're moving those thoughts through this very open highway that's normally clogged with traffic that you can't get through. And I did have a very visceral response. My first two hours, I trembled like I was shivering with the cold. I had a very, what they call somatic experience. You know, Now, if I'd been doing that on my own, I would have been a little bit scared. So I really loved having Sarah, and she was right next to me. I was like, can you come sit really close to me when this kicks in, <laughs> which she did. Um, and I just, I just felt like no matter what would happen to me during that experience, I had someone there to literally hold my hand, literally hand me a tissue with the tears, literally tell me, it's okay, you're not having a stroke, you are just releasing actually pent-up tension. Talk me through the actual trip, I guess, the experience of of what it was like when the the mushrooms really kicked in. I just felt this, it was like a... 
is all I can say if you can hear that. I'll do it again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a religious person per se. I believe that there is a source, there is something greater than us. But is a man in a beard, for me, not necessarily. Is it angels floating around with wings? Not necessarily. But there is a greater force. And I felt that greater force whooshed into me with a sense of immense heat. And it was just, okay, it's arrived. They have arrived, it has arrived, whatever has arrived. So that sense of heat, I then said, I think I'm going to lie down now, Sarah. I think it's time. The earphones went in with this incredible music. The eye mask went on sort of jauntily because I thought I just need to be able to peep out if I want to. (laughs) And then I was like, Sarah, don't move, just be very close. What sort of music were you listening to? I mean, it's a resonance therapy. The music is very specifically chosen. It's a resonance that kind of operates at a slightly different physical level. So the playlist is a sequence of tracks. They have in them certain tones, frequencies, melodies even. You know, some classical music in there. Operatic as well. That's the one that got me. But the the way that a string instrument, a cello, resonates because it sounds like the human voice, the way a violin melody might carry you off in a thought process. Some people with electronic dance music find big bass drums. You know, so all of us have our own musical language and this is just a sort of genre if you like which is suited to psychedelic experiences and what's interesting about that as well is afterwards i still listen to certain tracks now and there is then a memory of ah yes when i was in that sort of euphoric open state of consciousness i can now kind of get a little ticket back there i've got that memory i have that experience and i can just get my ticket in by listening. What were you actually seeing? You know, this is your first experience with anything hallucinogenic. And and was it all comfortable? Was it slightly alarming? My memory of it now, it feels like it was a dream. All I can remember is if you take the munchkins from The Wizard of Oz, go with me. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You make them more sort of fairy and elfy. And then you imagine you're in a rugby scrum and you're the player that's looking up at the scrum all above you, okay? And I had all these little faces, like the munchkins, with that kind of cheeky laughter and and actually very lighthearted, all looking down at me. And it was as if they were saying, you're okay, come with us on this fun journey. And I just remember laughing and going, oh, these little people have come to tell me it's fine. Definitely... There was stages where I was holding on and I was not quite surrendering into the whole experience. And with the sort of twitching and these little people that were coming to sort of, I feel, support me, I sort of said to Sarah sitting next to me, you know, what's going on? Am I okay here? I feel a little bit concerned. And she just in this sort of very film-like melodic voice just said, trust the plants, trust the medicine. That was what I needed to hear, actually. Uh, And she was right, and so I did. And then it became a much easier uh, ride from there. Lying down on a comfy sofa, eyes covered, ears covered, and I thought, oh, I'm going to come out of this because my body's telling me I need to go to the loop. So take the earphones off, take the eye mask off, and Sarah just goes, you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm fine. I I just think I need the loop. So I walk upstairs to the loop. But, you know, when tissue boxes, they open, they pull out a few tissues, and they kind of if you can picture that, there's a couple offered up already. And I looked at this tissue box and the two tissues on top. And I just looked at them. They peeled open like petals. And then the edge of these white petals turned red. And then it was the most beautiful orchid I'd ever seen. And then I stopped and went, no, 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 it's a tissue box. <laughs> I, just, I headed back downstairs. Are you all right? Said Sarah. I said, yeah. 
back on with the eyes and the ears and uh, back into the world. So it's a very humbling, normal experience in and outside and around the actual psilocybin hallucinogenic journey part. Coming up, what's actually happening inside your brain when you take magic mushrooms? And why would it help with couples therapy and mental health? We'll get to grips with the science behind hallucinogenics with Dr. David Nutt. But first... Hi, this is Tom Whipple, science editor for The Times. Thanks for listening. By doing so, you enable me to keep pace with the rapidly changing developments in the coronavirus pandemic and more. To enjoy more remarkable stories every day, subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times today and get one free month. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We've heard some remarkable things from a couple who've just been on a mushroom retreat and feel like it, they've really benefited. It's like sort of marriage counselling, but... Condensed. It's condensed, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I think for a lot of us, we'll just be wondering, what on earth is the science behind it? I mean, what is psilocybin and how does it affect the brain? So psilocybin is a product of magic mushrooms. There are over 200 species of magic mushrooms around the world. That's Dr David Nutt from Imperial College London again. And it's been known for thousands of years that the magic mushrooms will produce altered states of consciousness. And they've been used by different cultures for many, many thousands of years because they give insights into the human condition. We don't really know why the mushrooms make psilocybin. The interesting thing about it is that it is structurally extremely chemically similar to the serotonin we have in our brains. In fact, the difference between psilocybin and serotonin is it's just one position on a benzene ring, for those of you who know a bit of chemistry. It is truly remarkable. What happens is that psilocybin gets into the body, into the brain, and produces this profound series of altered 
consciousness experiences, such as visual hallucinations, such as a sense that your body is beginning to float out of your anatomical body. Why does that seem to help with problems like depression or you know, other difficulties that you might need counselling with? Well, what we now think is that the disorders, many mental disorders, certainly like depression or even marital disharmony, emerge in the brain or are developed in the brain, possibly by accident. But then people get into a, a mindset where they start to think the same thoughts over and over again. So in depression, classically, mm. people start thinking that they've made a mistake or they're guilty or they're worthless. And then their brain keeps them thinking that. So it's like it's the brain's gone wrong. The brain is out of control. With um, couples, you know, often people start to see negativity in, in, in their partner. And they gradually that negativity becomes somehow uh, accentuated, overdeveloped. And again, their brain is getting locked into a way of thinking, which they don't particularly want, but which they struggle to stop. Now, psychedelics disturb the circuits of the brain which mediate this negative thinking. Hmm. They fragment them, literally. You can see that with brain scanning, we can see the circuits disappear. And that's why people often feel that their ego disappears. People often feel that they're, not, they're no longer in the scanner. They're actually in another, another universe talking to God. The sense of who you are, where you are in space becomes disintegrated, as does a lot of your the thinking which relates to mood. For some reason, we don't fully understand why the disruption of those thinking circuits particularly disrupts negative thinking. That's so interesting because I think sort of most, you know, we talk about mindsets, but most people probably hadn't realised it's actually a physical thing. Yes. well, Inside the brain, bad thoughts do actually sort of manifest themselves in a physical way. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if any of you, you've seen the Disney film Inside Out, but actually they have a rather good description a cartoon description of how you you package thoughts with a different color. So, how was the first day of school? It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Do you ever look at someone and wonder what is going on inside their head? Did you guys pick up on that? Sure mm -hmm. did. Something's wrong. We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. <clears throat> with a nice pass over the comes across center ice. <clears throat> Uh-oh, she's looking at us. What did she say? What? Oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? You obviously, you know, thoughts become memories. And memories have what we call valence. And for many of us, the valence is good. You know, you think of, a, you know, your wedding day and, yeah, you feel very happy. But then... Often in relationships, bad things happen and you think about that bad thing and that has a negative valence and you feel bad and angry about it. And again, for reasons we don't fully understand, the, the negative, the bad valence memories can dominate and psychedelics will disrupt things. Wow. And tell us a bit about that. You, you've been studying this. You've been doing research at Imperial. Tell us a bit about the research you've done and what you found. I mean... When you do brain scans, as you mentioned, what are you seeing happening? We discovered two things. The first was that it actually didn't turn on the brain. We assume that people seeing lots of kind of colourful lights, you know, the so-called Christmas tree light phenomenon, or, or having a transformation where they floated out into to space and, and went to a mountain 
and, and spoke to God, you know, those sorts of powerful psychedelic experiences, we assumed would be associated with some increase in activity in the brain, but they weren't. And that's where the second aspect of the research became very interesting, because I didn't expect to be doing treatments of depression with psilocybin. But it was because psilocybin turned off the circuits and the nodes, the pressure points in the brain which drive depression, that we saw that in the imaging studies, and that then gave us the motivation and the, and the justification for going on to do the depression studies. It sounds like really exciting research, but people will be worried about using magic mushrooms, you know, even clinically, just because they are Class A drugs. There's been a lot of misinformation perpetuated about psychedelics going back to the 1960s when they were banned. But one of the interesting things about magic mushrooms is that the British didn't ban them like the rest of the world did. Because our experts at the time realized that magic mushrooms were not that harmful. And in fact, they were legal in Britain until 2005. Uh, and we estimated that about a million young people were using them then and still are, because the ban came about, interestingly, became, it came about when David Cameron was head of the Tory party in opposition, and he was trying to get some traction to, to crack the powerful edifice that Blair had created. And a couple of headshots in um, Camden Town were selling freeze-dried magic mushrooms. And the Daily Mail got exercised by this, and they goaded Cameron into doing something. Cameron then said to Blair, well, you're being soft on drugs, on these magic mushrooms. And Blair then, without consulting the experts like the ACMD, and I know this is true because I was on the ACMD at the time. I was chair of their expert scientific committee. The ACMD is the organisation that advises Correct. the government on this. That's right, the Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs. And, and magic mushrooms went from being legal to being a Class A Schedule One drug after a, a vote in Parliament, to, which bypassed the ACMD. Uh, and so magic mushrooms were put along, uh, you know, they're alongside crack cocaine and crystal meth. And of course, they're obviously nothing as remotely as harmful as those. And in fact, to get permission to do the psilocybin studies, I was able to share th that evidence, the fact that millions of young people have used magic mushrooms with almost no evidence of any harm with the medicines agency in Britain. And they were sympathetic. They said, well, that actually does suggest that we could at least give you permission to try out these in, in, in depression. Mm. So, so we know that they're not very harmful, particularly magic mushrooms are not very harmful. In fact, that's that's one reason why Oregon, the state of Oregon, has now legalized magic mushrooms completely throughout the state. And many other U.S. towns and, or jurisdictions are also legalizing them because basically they're not that harmful. And in fact, psychedelics as a class aren't that harmful. But they were banned not because they were harmful. They were banned because they were associated with the, the anti-Vietnam War movement in the states. Thousands of demonstrators opposed to the Vietnam War assembled in the nation's capital for a mass protest. It is at the Pentagon where the first test of strength comes. Military police contain the crowd, but clashes soon break out. Two-day protest ends with over 600 arrested and the white... The Americans couldn't ban anti-war protesters, so they banned LSD and psilocybin as a sort of kind of proxy for trying to interfere with the, the Stop the War movement. I mean, that, that is fascinating, but... I have to ask, because, you know, I sort of think for, for a lot of us, we'll be hearing it at the same time, slightly worrying. Are there potential side effects that some people will suffer from psychosis, for example, 
from psilocybin. Does that, are you seeing that? Does that happen? This is a th- obviously a hugely important point. And we are very concerned about the possibility that you could provoke psychosis. Hmm. And the evidence is that that will only happen in people who are psychotic. And so we absolutely exclude those from our studies. And it might happen in people who have a strong genetic propensity to being psychotic. So we exclude people who've got what we call first degree family relatives with psychosis or schizophrenia. Because we think that, you know, the risk for them is greater than the potential benefit. And I suppose we also ought to point out that the benefits you've talked about, they are in a clinical setting. They are part of a therapy. It's not just recreationally taking magic Yes. We have done an enormous number of surveys in hundreds and hundreds of people who are taking psychedelics in controlled settings, particularly in retreats. And we've rated them. We've rated their mental state before and after taking the mushrooms. We've, we've also rated the effects to see what impact it had. And we find several interesting things. We find that, by and large, people do get some benefit. They do get a sense of well-being. They often do get significant changes in consciousness, which they find valuable in the longer term. And very few of them have any significant unwanted effects. So occasionally people have bad trips. But uh, even a bad trip can be a learning experience. I mean, it's, uh, it, there are, we haven't come across really any examples of people having prolonged, altered, negative mood states. Mm. Some people do, however, get this condition of flashback. Some people do get particularly sort of visual disturbances, which can last maybe for days or weeks. Um, that usually doesn't disturb their life, but it can be a little bit um, distracting to them. So you can't say that these drugs are not without risk, but compared with most other medicines, the risks at least are unknown and relatively small. I mean, would you advocate that we sort of replace a lot of traditional antidepressants with psilocybin in the future? No, I wouldn't advocate we do that until we've got the evidence. Yeah. But I mean, how do the side effects compare, for example? Oh, well, that's one of the interesting things that came out of our head-to-head study of psilocybin versus escitalopram. Overall, there was very little difference. Side effects were pretty low for both. In terms of different aspects of improvement, one of the problems with current SSRIs is... An SSRI, a sort of normal antidepressant. Yeah, SSRIs are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. They're the Prozac... Siroxat type drugs, they they definitely protect you against depression, but they also do that at the, the cost of dampening down responses to pleasure as well as responses to stress. It's like a generic protection against any kind of perturbation of your mood. So mm. people often say that they don't enjoy life as much, they don't have as much spontaneity as they did previously, whereas psilocybin doesn't do that. Psilocybin, if anything, increases well-being and facilitates the enjoyment of life whilst switching off the negative thoughts. I mean, that does sound like a, a hell of a benefit. Again, I don't want to overplay it. I mean, I, yeah, I'm a psychiatrist. I've been prescribing traditional antidepressants for 40 years. I've seen them do remarkable things to people and save people's lives and, and get them back to work and get them functioning in, in many different ways. So conventional antidepressants are good drugs, but they don't suit everyone. I don't see a day when psychedelics are the only treatments for depression. Mm. I'm not sure that, you know, we need to find out. We need to find out which of these these different options of treatments uh, are best for different forms of depression, because there are clearly many different forms, and, and which people prefer. 
And at the moment, in order to conduct these these studies, you know, you've had to get special permission. Magic mushrooms are still illegal here. And if people want to try these retreats, you know, they have to go abroad. They have to go to Amsterdam or to South America or Jamaica or somewhere. Can you see that changing? Well, I do hope so. There's a big campaign now to try to remove certainly psilocybin out of Schedule 1 and bring it to Schedule 2 alongside cannabis. And that would dramatically facilitate research. And then we could massively enhance our knowledge base. Because currently, magic mushrooms are, as I say, they're in Class A, the most dangerous drug, life imprisonment for, for selling. So I have to have a special safe to hold my magic mushroom juice. I say, why can't I put it alongside the heroin that I work on? Well, the cocaine I work on, oh, no, 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 it's more dangerous than that. And you think that's ridiculous. So, the, Well, of course it's not. But the, the, the regulations specify that Schedule 1 drugs have to be held in a special safe with a, a camera making sure that people don't sneak in and take a little bit. You know, I mean, it is completely absurd. Drug laws and the drug regulations aren't based on anything related to, to, to real evidence of harm or or problems. They're they're just created by a bureaucracy that actually doesn't understand how negative the impact of what they're doing is on research. You know, the, the banning of psychedelics in 67 by the US and in 71 by the UN conventions, which we signed up to, that's the worst censorship of research in the history of the world. It's, it's denied access to these therapies for researchers and clinicians for 50 years. It's outrageous, the fact that what we knew was very exciting research in the 50s and 60s has been terminated and effectively destroyed over the last 50 years. It's only just coming back into consciousness. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Dr. David Nutt, Professor of Neuropsychopharmacology at Imperial College London, and Suzanne Duckett and Andy Friedlander, a very happy couple. The producers today were Marilyn Rust, Taryn Siegel, and Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a review. It always helps others to find it. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.